We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye hitting with a solo recap of the Nets' loss to the Celtics, 96-139. The worst loss of the season, maybe second worst if you look at that Sacramento Kings game, but this was terrible, losing by 43 on the road. Obviously, the Celtics, a great team, and the Nets without Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren, Boston without Marcus Smart, but losing by that margin and to start this game Boston just dominated it was a beatdown from the start the Nets lost the first quarter 46 to 16 doesn't even seem like a realistic score for a team that isn't tanking you know this is a Nets team like I mentioned missing some key components but still just did not come to play we're going to jump that in plenty more make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms but there's really no point, I guess, going player through player in this game. As mentioned, you know, it was a pitiful performance from the start. You know, no one really played well. And if they did play well, by the time they did it, it was already garbage time because Boston had a 30-point lead. So we're going to look at reasons why the Nets lost this game. And I think early on, you know, you saw some of the major flaws in this matchup, especially with the Nets being shorthanded. The only way that they had an opportunity to score early in this game was three-point attempts. And they generated some good looks, but they couldn't knock them down. And there was really no counter or adjustment. You know, getting in the paint was difficult given Boston's size and the lack of creation from the Nets starting lineup. And Kyrie Irving has not played well against Boston. Boston has also done a really nice job of being physical with him, using length, and also sending traps and double teams when he gets to some of his spots. So right off rip, you saw their issues for the Nets offensively, you know, given some of the the lack of options available, but also just some of the deficiencies of the team. And then defensively, Boston in this game from the start got to their spots. They got to spots they felt comfortable scoring. They got inside. They got easy layups. They got offensive rebounds. They did start eight from eight from three. You know, some of that is a little bit of luck, but some of that is lack of contest from the Nets and just not really getting into guys' body. You know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, arguably the best duo in the NBA this season or one of the top five. And if you're just going to let them be comfortable and they're two guys that are used to being, you know, 
harassed up and down the court and the Nets really didn't do that so that from the start you allow a team that's gifted offensively gifted from the three-point line to get comfortable get their shots and get second chance opportunities as I mentioned you know they had like four offensive rebounds in the first five minutes of this game and they do play a big lineup but again the Nets knowing they're shorthanded not playing with that energy and effort and that was really the game from that point on in other areas that were showcased was, as I mentioned, you know, some of the disadvantages the Nets have without, you know, three of their top wings and Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and TJ Warren, and relying on a lot of guards and a lot of guards that aren't necessarily good defensively and lack a level of physicality. You know, starting the game with Seth Curry out there and Kyrie Irving in the backcourt was already going to be an issue because not only are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum two incredibly difficult players to defend, but Derek White was able to eat against Seth Curry. You know, Robert Williams was able to eat against the Nets starting lineup because Clax was constantly, you know, pulling off of him to help. You know, Al Horford was able to have success in this game because the Nets lack of size and just getting easy opportunities. So right from that point, you know, you could look at that from coaching as well. I thought, you know, obviously Vaughn limited with what he had in this game, but starting with such a disadvantage in the starting lineup and then leaving it in for the first six to seven minutes of this game, the Nets were in a hole they could never get out of uh, against a team that is clearly better than them and has been better than them for the last two years. They've won, the Celtics have won 10 straight against the Nets. That's with Kevin Durant. That's without Kevin Durant. That's in the playoffs. So that's what you have to look at in this situation. I think, again, a lot of the disadvantages, the glaring weaknesses of this Nets team is showcased in a matchup like this. You know, another area that stuck out is the lack of creation the Nets have without Kevin Durant, you know, and they're just being relied on Kyrie Irving, who, again, who's pestered by the Celtics, double team, trapped, whatever it is, forcing other guys to create. And if you're Boston, you're more than happy to see Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, or Seth Curry try to do something out there on the court. So that was just an area that Boston was prepared for, and they took advantage. And the Nets had other opportunities and offensively to score, and they just couldn't get it done. Other than that, you know, I think you look at it as another major reason the Nets lose this game is just one of those nights for Boston. You know, as much as I just talked about the defense being so bad for the Nets, Boston also just shot ridiculous in this game. You know, they're 26 of 54 from three, 48%, 53 of 92 from the field. Again, a lot of that, the Nets defense, but there's teams in this league that could be provided open shot after open shot and might not even put up those numbers. Also, Boston dropped 28 assists in this game. So really good basketball from Boston. I think also this is a showcase too of you know what it's like going against the Boston Celtics arguably the best team in the league and then going against the previous matchup of the Lakers without Anthony Davis and LeBron James you know you're going to be able to play you know a lot of lesser guys and they're going to have success you know I think tonight was night night and day for Dayron Sharp you know in the Lakers game people were convinced maybe he could be a backup big if you watched him play tonight he really couldn't do anything positive on the floor. Even his rebounding wasn't that impactful with Robert Williams and Al Horford out there. And offensively still has a lack of ability to finish inside. And, you know, his has his shot blocked. You saw Jason Tatum, you know, send his shot to the three-point line. And also Sharp defensively is way too aggressive when it comes trying to block shots. You know, at too many times he leaves his feet before the offensive player is even in the realm of being blocked. So I think that's just an example of one guy who could look good against a, a bad team and then against a good to great team looks terrible. And the same thing can be said about Patty Mills. You know, Cam Thomas had some scoring pop in this game, but again, 
defensively not good. And a lot of his points came in garbage time. And as I mentioned before, just really no one came with the right type of energy from the start. As Jacques Vaughn said in his presser, you know, the Nets kind of got smacked in the mouth and they never responded. He took full blame for that, saying the team wasn't prepared enough. But you could take the blame as a coach, but a lot of this just falls on the players. I think this is an L for everybody involved uh, in this game. And, you know, again, credit to the Celtics for playing really good basketball, doing what they need to do, and taking advantage of a lot of the Nets' deficiencies. But given this game was terrible... Um, I think we can jump into some different things, and there's not really much more to say. As I mentioned, you know, we looked at the shooting numbers, we looked at why the Nets lost this game. But I think moving forward, you know, Jack and I have a trade pod coming up. You know, it's going to be dropping the next couple of days, so I'll take some time to look at the roster and see what the Nets have and what they can do moving forward. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With that said, you know, we know who Kevin Durant is, you know, one of the best players in the league, the best player in your team, can be the best player in your championship team. Kyrie Irving, we know who he is, you know, can be probably your second best player on a championship team. We saw him do that with the Cavs, especially when your best player is playing at an elite level, which Kevin Durant is capable of. And then Nick Claxton, I think, can be anywhere from your, you know, third to fourth best player in a championship team. But after that, I think that's where the question marks really come for this team. And you, we can look at this in an array of different ways. I guess we start with Ben Simmons, who's been, you know, the most polarizing player of this Nets team and is now getting to, you know, his lowest point of the season, hasn't played in a few days with knee soreness. But the problem with Ben is we really have no idea what to expect. And for the most part, even when he has a couple good games, the next one could turn out to be his worst of the season. So Ben really, in my eyes, is has no expectations because there's no idea what we can expect from him and what level he's going to play at night to night. So he can be anywhere from your, you know, this season, probably your fourth or fifth best player to your 15th best player. And can he play in the playoffs? Who knows? Will he be ready to play in the playoff? Who knows? You know, is he committed to playing for this team? Who knows? There's just uh, Ben Simmons right now is a major question mark. So that's what we know about Ben. He was supposed to be the third best player in this team, you know, at worst fourth or fifth. And right now, we have no idea what we're going to get from him moving forward. Moving over to Royce O'Neal. You know, Royce has been very solid for the Nets. I think 
Royce O'Neal is a solid basketball player. He's not really great at anything. He does have deficiencies of his game. He's not somebody you want to count on all the time to give you a lot of production, but he could be your fifth starter. You know, he could be someone who's the first guy off your bench. He could be someone that plays in a playoff series. He could probably close in a good chunk of your lineups for the for the most part, especially if you don't put him in situations where he has to do things he's not comfortable doing and things he's not comfortable doing, you know, defending guards in space. You know, he's not a great point of attack defender for athletic twitchy guys works really well against guys with size, as we saw against Julius Randle. And I think even Jason Tatum, he's had some decent moments of, but again, can struggle, especially too against guys that are capable of just pulling up from anywhere because Royce can get in trouble when he's put in space and sometimes is a little timid around that three-point line. But again, can be your fifth starter, can be your fifth to seventh best player in a championship team. You know, again, he's solid. He's a guy that can do his job if his job is kind of detailed and laid out and, and covers areas that he's capable of, you know, handling. Moving over to Joe Harris, a guy that hasn't lived up to expectations for this team. I think he could probably be your fifth starter in some lineups, but it's not with a lot of confidence. I think you're more more likely bringing Joe Harris off the bench, and you probably have him somewhere between, you know, six to nine, seven to nine in terms of your rotation, just because there's a lot of inconsistency offensively, defensively has been all over the place this season. But if he's put again, a guy if he's put in the right role can be successful. You know, in a playoff series, you're playing him, you know, 15 minutes. And allowing him to, to get a lot of good threes coming off screens, providing some level of offense, maybe in other matchups going higher to 25. You know, I think Joe is capable of performing, but at the same time has been very inconsistent due to his injury. So you wouldn't want him too high in your rotation as somebody that you need a lot of production from. Moving over to Seth Curry, another guy who I think has been very polarizing on Nets Twitter. You know, he is a guy I think that's clearly more successful coming off the bench given his deficiencies defensively, his lack of size, his ins- inconsistent creation. You know, you look at Seth as being someone more of, you know, 7 of 10 in your rotation. You know, someone who might play in some playoff series but might not be able to play in other playoff series. And I think that's fair given what we've seen from him this year but also last year in the playoffs and how he's going to be hunted and targeted. Uh, Utah Watanabe, I think he's a guy you bring off the bench, can play limited playoffs minutes I think he's probably not as seasoned you know not as not enough experience and at times can struggle with physicality so you wouldn't want to put him in your top seven but he could definitely squeeze in you know maybe eight and nine get some minutes here and there have a hot stretch from three so I think Utah's a guy that can play limited minutes in the playoffs maybe he could play a bigger role in you know a first or second round series but you get a little bit more nervous as you get deeper along and then after that I think that's where it becomes a major question mark. You know, TJ Warren, if healthy and playing with confidence, he's a guy that could be as high as, you know, five in your playoff rotation. But the way he's played recently and the question marks around his health, I think you really can't have him any higher than, you know, seven to nine. He's a guy you'll play, but you never know if you're going to get four points or 20 points and what level of effort he's going to be playing without on the floor because, at times, he lacks confidence in his body. So, again, another question mark. And after TJ, you got Edmund Sumner, who's a bench player, you know, maybe 9 through 11 in your playoff rotation, could get some minutes in the right situation, but nothing more, nothing higher than 10. 
Uh, Cam Thomas, a bench player who's sitting at more through 10 through 13 in your playoff rotation, you know, getting called upon if you are getting a crunch, you need some instant scoring, but has a, a, lock, a lack of polish on his overall game, you know, defensively. Still not very familiar with the rotation, you know, makes bad decisions on both ends of the floor. Dayron Sharp, I think at this point, in my opinion, is closer to a fringe NBA player than he is to a consistent NBA player in a rotation. Probably needs one more NBA offseason to be, you know, a, a more consistent NBA big. And even then, there'll be limitations to his game. Uh, Markeith Morris, Patty Mills. Both those guys are washed. You know, they shouldn't be seeing playoff minutes. They're guys that you want at the end of the rotation on nights like against the Lakers where, you know, you have a couple bodies out, you're going against a bad team. They can give you 10 to 20 minutes of good play, and that's that and be a voice in your locker room. But they're both probably a 15th man, and that's at a point where you don't want to keep keep that guy in your team. Um, Kessler Edwards also, I think we haven't seen him this season. He spent most of his time in the G League. That pretty much is self-explanatory there. So after looking at the roster and you know seeing where we're at this point of the season, I think you look at a couple areas that need to be improved by the deadline. I think the lack of third scoring slash creating option for the Nets has been very hampering. You know, obviously there was some expectation for Ben to be that third creator and to amplify some of these shooters like Seth Curry and Joe Harris and even Utah Watanabe and Royce O'Neal. He hasn't been able to do that. You need someone who can handle the basketball, create a little bit, pick up the scoring on a night where Kyrie or KD might be off or, you know, dealing with injury. You know, somebody who can drop 20 to 30 points and be competent defensively on the other end of the floor. And really, again, create. Not Seth Curry, who can create a little in some situations. Somebody who's, you know, confident and has ability. You know, guys that we brought up in the past, Boyan Bogdanovich, Kyle Kuzma, somebody of that level. Even Alec Burks, because of what he can do and he can get you a bucket. I think another obvious issue for this team is backup big. You know, Nick Claxton is going to have a night or two where he's not necessarily having a ton of an impact because of the way the opposing team is playing him defensively and shutting down the paint and crowding the paint and not giving him those one-on-one opportunities, those oop options, those dunk options aren't going to be there. So you want to have some variance, you know, somebody hopefully that can shoot the three ball and give you some counters to some of these defenses being thrown at you. And then after that, I think you're just looking for increased defense in size, you know, just more length and guys that can have an impact on both ends of the floor. You know, as we mentioned, you know, you look at Joe Harris, more of just a three-point shooter, you know, that's, he doesn't have the same driving to his game anymore. Defensively, he's all over the place. Seth Curry, as we mentioned, you know, can create a little. Jump shot is very inconsistent. Defensively, is terrible. Royce O'Neal can do which can do a couple of tasks, but when you ask them to do too much, those deficiencies really showcase. And after that, there's just a lot of guys that aren't really good enough to play playoff basketball. So I think at the very least, you know, again, we're going to jump into this a little bit further on a future trade episode, but Sean Marks has to look to acquire at minimum probably two guys, you know, one in the front court, one in the wing department, ideally acquire three, but we'll see how it all plays out. Again, appreciate everybody listening, especially after a horrendous loss like this, but check the buzz on all stream platforms. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 